Welcome back. This is Elder Law Issues. I am Robert Fleming. I'm a partner in the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I have another partner. Her name is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. She's here too. We're here to talk to you about Elder Law Issues. Is that cool or what? Welcome. I think it's pretty exciting, Robert. Welcome back, Elizabeth. I read a case that I thought maybe we'd talk about today. A recent case from the Arizona Court of Appeals. It's an unreported case, which for people who are into legal inside baseball, just means that it can't be cited for precedent. But but the story was pretty interesting to me because it, it, uh, it revealed something about a lot of people and cases and circumstances that we see. So this is a case where uh, dad and daughter went out and bought a house for her to live in. Dad paid for the house. Daughter was paying him monthly payments on a contract to buy the house an agreement to own the house once she had paid off the final payment. It's a little bit like a mortgage, but not quite as much formality. And uh, and dad died, and in his will, there's no mention about the house. Daughter is no longer paying payments because there's nobody to pay the payments to, I guess. Or maybe she thought now she owned the house. And her brother gets appointed as personal representative of the estate and says, get out of the house. The house is part of dad's estate. You're going to get a third of the proceeds but because uh, there are three kids, but you only get a third. And she says, hang on. Dad knew that I was going to live here forever and he was going to forgive any debt when he died. And, uh, and besides that, I have this agreement and I've paid off most of the house. And he says, son says, no, it's not in the will. And it's not in the will. So this story was really kind of touching to me because I see this so often. Do you see people, Elizabeth, who tell you everybody knew what dad wanted? I do. I see people with informal agreements all the time because they're not really sure how to put ideas to paper. And oftentimes it's way easier to just agree with a child or a friend um, on an informal arrangement. And maybe it involves an exchange of funds Maybe it involves an agreement that somebody may have an opportunity to purchase a property, a piece of real estate down the road. These things, when they're not well documented, tend to cause stress and sorrow and confusion on the death of anybody who's involved in the transaction, mostly because there might be a difference of opinion around the decedent's intent, the person who died, what what he or she had intended by way of the transaction. Even if there is evidence of transfers in and out of bank accounts or um, changes to the title of a property, there can still be a lot of questions about intent. If dad in that fact pattern had come to see us before his death and had told us about the house, that's kind of another story. We often don't get all the information. People are sometimes, I think, a little hesitant to give us details because they think if they tell us about their complicated lives, we're going to charge them more to do their estate planning. So better to keep it secret from the lawyer. But assuming dad had come in and told us all of that, we, we could have talked to him about it. Do you really mean to, to forgive whatever remaining amount there is and leave the house to your daughter? Do you mean to give her the remaining interest in the house as part of her one-third of the estate? Or is this just a business transaction, and when you die, she can buy out the remaining interest if she wants to, or otherwise the house gets sold? Uh, We could have had that conversation and accomplished what he wanted. 
and probably accomplish what he wanted without a whole lot of additional complexity as part of his estate plan. Oftentimes people don't quite know how to envision the terms of of the document or the structure of the agreement. What That's what we do. So as long as somebody tells us what their goal is, then we're able to help figure out a way to put pen to paper and document it. I think, Robert, one, one really important fact when we see payments and informal agreements is who's keeping track of what? Because it happens once in a while where we will see somebody who is very precise document payments made on a mortgage or contributions to improve a home. But maybe the other person who may be the owner of the property is not keeping track. So the other thing is, is when you only have one of the two parties keeping track of payments and contributions and reimbursement, that also adds to confusion in the file. We see a lot of clients who tell us, oh, I loaned money to two of my three kids. They, uh, they should pay that back. One of them is actually making payments, and, and the other one uh, has always just assumed it was an advance on their inheritance. And, uh, and then we say, what do you want to do about that? Oh, I just don't know. It's, it's too complicated to figure out. The third child really should be rewarded for never having had to borrow money or never uh, gotten any of their inheritance in advance. The second child should be rewarded for being diligent, but I don't want to punish the first. It's really hard to figure out exactly how these relationships with your children ought to play out in your estate plan. And as you say, Elizabeth, tell us about it. Let us talk about it. Let us walk through some of the choices. Too often, clients say to us, I just want a simple will. Well, life sometimes isn't simple. And, um, and so sometimes we have to do some, some thinking, scratching our heads, talking it through in order to get what you want. That's, and, that's as you say, that's what we do, Elizabeth. And I think, Robert, to, to your point about clients wanting to keep things simple, one thing that I have realized from a drafting perspective and from a administrative perspective and from just a practical services and costs and fees perspective, if folks want to keep things simple and really don't follow our recommendations about how things can be simplified, instead really want to try and constrain or limit um, or add complexities to structures that really don't need to be complex, that's going to be much harder to draft it's going to be much more difficult to administer. And the cost to try and shoehorn an idea into a vehicle or scheme that really might not work is way more expensive than it would be if, if people kind of let us make a recommendation and, and at least let us show them the way that the structure could be different. I find that all the time. Is somebody says, well, this is really simple. It's simple to me. And I say, well, okay, let's talk about what that really means in practice. And so the other thing is, is yes, drafting is important, but also talking about the actual administration, how the terms of the documents will play out. So in the story that I started this with, it had already gone to a court hearing and the, the daughter had lost and went to the Court of Appeals and lost at the Court of Appeals. We can guess that probably the relationship between her and at least one of her siblings is pretty strained, if not completely broken. Um, but I think it's important for us to observe that 
people who are named in a will are permitted under Arizona law, at least, to alter the terms of the of the division. And so if the three siblings in this case could have come together, they could have entered into an agreement. And Elizabeth, I want to talk about that maybe in our next podcast about how that works, how much it costs, how much you can change the terms of a will. Um, but in the meantime, our kind of takeaway piece of advice for people who have unusual circumstances, uh, interrelationships, financial interrelationships with their children, make sure that your lawyer knows what it is you want and and what's going on. And and we can help you work around the potential for future disputes, right? Absolutely. And with that, let's, um, let's end this and ask people to join us again next week when we talk about family agreements and resolving these kinds of disputes. I'm Robert Fleming been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast. We hope you will do that again next week. Thanks.